This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the world's car radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen and uh, my friend Andy, who is uh, who stayed the night at my house last night and who's a new driver. And Andy used to be my radio show partner, and he just managed to. I don't know how you. How did you weasel your way into the studio today? Hi, everybody. I got. <laughs> I got an extra key card. Oh, you did? Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, I emailed. I set this up with uh, the station manager. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I think there's a picture of you at the front desk, just to let you know. <laughs> Wanted. <laughs> uh, how's driving going, by the way? Because I tried to teach you to drive over 10 years. It didn't work. I failed miserably. I remember taking you out to uh, Portland uh, Motors, to uh, Portland Raceways. And yeah. And you drive a Volvo around, <laughs> and it was like dodgems. <laughs> I mean, we were on the middle of a racetrack where there was probably 100 yards from a tree, and you still nearly hit a tree. I, that's the most anxiety I've ever had in my life. It was fun though um so yeah, for you <laughs> i think feel, i had to change my pants when i got home i feel like me not driving it taught me subconsciously as a passenger for so long like so what i'm getting at is i'm such a good driver now i'm thinking about getting in the nascar <laughs> i mean this was one of those things where i like unlocked a hidden talent i'm so good at driving can we get some space for his head please <laughs> i just saw it expand like four places wide uh yeah, I do notice over the last two years when you come and visit my house that you, because uh, we have 13 um, parallel parking spaces along the side of the house, I noticed that you you used to just park the car randomly in the middle of the driveway <laughs> and walk in. Now you actually parallel park it. I, I, over two years, your skills have blossomed. It's always so awkward to park at your house. I oh, what? I don't know. I don't know where to you, park. There's 13 places to park. What's wrong with you? It's not like you live in New York City and you have to squeeze in front of a brownstone. <laughs> That's what I mean. There's there's no sanctioned area <laughs> de- definitively to go. So well, I'm just going to leave my car in the middle of the driveway <laughs> and walk away. I was actually shocked that he was here today because you didn't have a sports car. You always show up when there's sports yeah, cars. Yeah, I'm that friend, absolutely. <laughs> oh, you just have a couple of minivans. Yeah, I'll come over next weekend. He is a little fickle. Yeah, well. <laughs> It's a little shallow. That's okay. It can be. All right. Let's talk about what's on the show today. A packed show. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure Andy's going to pipe up during the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, get a very... I gotta, I'll tell a good story about this guy, but uh, from Lap Motorsports, uh, Lewis Carapa... Carapa... Okay. Carapa... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Keep going, Nick. Carapa... <laughs> Pericarpi. You realize he's going to Lewis Car- Pericarpi. Yeah. yeah. He has the hardest last name to pronounce ever. He is actually uh, part of the mini wow. racing team. Uh, he's going to be here to talk about it. i got a great story about him. We're also going to talk about the Dodge Durango lineup. Oh, I just drove the Hellcat. Dodge Durango Hellcat. Shut up. You shouldn't own one, by the way. It's too dangerous. Uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody should have one. I talked to the hair, uh, the West Coast head of uh, Fiat Chrysler PR, uh, Scott Brown, the other day about this, and he said no. I wouldn't own one either. He's for the same reason you wouldn't. You shouldn't own one because we would both be in jail. Uh, the E-Class, <laughs> which just won Motor Trend Car of the Year, uh, we're going to talk about that with uh, Lauren Harris from uh, Mercedes-Benz. Uh, F-150, 
uh, it's just uh, they're just about to announce. I heard, and um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I just heard that Ford is about to announce it's still the number one vehicle in America. Period. Mike Cordell, the other half of our auto expert, going to join us. He just got to see the new Bronco SEMA vehicles, um, and also he was at Truck Hero this week out in Detroit, looking at all the new SEMA truck parts. Anton Warman, some big news about Tesla. Got that coming up, and then we'll talk to uh, Dave Sanford from Northside Ford. Uh, it is going to be, and I will put my flag in the sand at this point. If you are listening to this show, please note, very important, between now and the 31st of December is going to be the best time in American history to buy a vehicle. I mark it in the sand because it will be. You should uh, you should make sure that if you're going to buy a vehicle, do it between now and the end of the year because prices are about to get serious. And Dave's going to tell us about commercial vehicles and trucks because the money on the hood of these vehicles is serious. If you can find what you want, that might be the big issue. Um, car sales are down. Money is going flying uh, onto the car hoods. So people are putting money on the hoods of vehicles. I'm just telling you, it's going to be a serious amount of vehicles uh, uh, that are going for sale. So um, if you're going to buy a new vehicle, I'm just telling you, uh, you should go out there and buy one between now and the end of the year. All right. So here's the story about uh, Lewis Pericarpi. He, uh, he, of course, heads up the mini racing team. I was at Mini Takes Estates 2016, which ended at Thermal Raceway in Palm Springs in California. And uh, the head of the uh, agency that heads up Mini PR came to me and said, um, Lewis would like to come and uh, take a picture with you, a selfie. And I went, what? He said, yeah, he's asked if he can take a selfie with you. And uh, Lewis, you'll have to tell me if this story is true or not, because I'm doing it from memory and it's four years old. So I said, uh, sure. I mean, uh, I'm always happy to take selfies with anybody that wants to. Usually I've never met a disgruntled fan in my life, but the head of the mini racing team, well, that's pretty cool. He wants to come and take a selfie with me. So I'm like, okay, let's take a selfie. He walks over, he extends his arm, takes a selfie, and he's like, I'm really, really excited to take this selfie with you. So I took a selfie with you, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like, why do you want to take a selfie I'm just with me? Nick Miles. Why? I'm just like, yeah, what is it? The Fo- <laughs> is it the Fox Sports show? Do you feel me on Fox? You know, what are you, Fox and Friends? He goes, no, I'll tell you why I want to take a selfie with you. Um, I'm supposed to go to work on Thursday mornings at a specific time. I think he said 7.30. I can't remember what it was. Every single morning or 8.30. And um, I don't. I wait <laughs> because your segment comes on uh, Fox 59 in Indianapolis where the race team is built 10 minutes after I'm supposed to go to work. And we always wait and watch it. Aww. And I was like, oh, I make you late for work every Thursday. I feel really good about <laughs> myself now. <laughs> is that how you remember the story? It, it, it's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it wasn't four years ago at Many Takes a State. We did, but uh, it was at the, um, the, 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 it's true that I watch your segment every morning here in Indy. And, um, you know, we were at the Test Fest at Thermal. Oh, okay, Test Fest. A couple of years ago, I think it was. Uh, um, yeah, so I came up, I took a selfie with you, I posted it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, but I don't know if you remember, I also uh crashed your segment or i was trying you were doing a segment on the toyota supra gt4 car at fema last year and i and i stood behind your camera guys and i started <laughs> making funny faces oh that's awesome and, yeah and you you did a really good job at you know keeping it together <laughs> and then you know we did another selfie then after that you did a you, you did a couple of that's you know, right takes on it 
<laughs> and I think it was because I was with Ed Luckus, uh, who is the vice president of marketing. He was there too, and so I had to kind of hold it together so I didn't. Hold. You know what? I, I, I will it. tell you <laughs> because I'm uh, because I'm used to doing live TV a lot of times, and you'd be standing out at some racetrack somewhere, and there's always some Yahoos at fifty times the amount of beer that they've <laughs> ever had before in their life, and they they come running up, going, "Run, mom! Hey, mom!" in front of the camera so you're always used to sort of you know ignoring them those sort of things um i'm pretty used to it uh but that that story i I do remember it was thermal now i was trying to put two and two together and i actually got to five but it was only four it it's uh that story has always been a great story and that's really how we met and obviously you knew me when every time i go to indy there's always an amazing uh response from anybody that i go to indy from they are big big tv fans in fact they watch double the tv and indy and of course it's a big race car market as well and that's where you started lap your your race company and and you have had a really huge success racing minis you've taken away some titles haven't you yeah i mean you know you know first of all you know i'm a, I'm a car guy and i grew up you know with my dad racing and 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 one of the first cars i ever remember was 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 his mini you know we did a trip we were my parents obviously i was i was tagging along i think i was nine years old and we were we were they were planning on moving back to chile for a couple years and my dad you know uh, shipped his mini over and i remember driving from california to houston Uh, i have a picture of it too and I think I'm about seven, seven years old, maybe, maybe eight. And uh, he was going to ship the car from Houston to, to Chile, South America, where my parents are from. And um, so, yeah, you know, that, that's one of the, the, the cars that always stuck with me from my childhood. Um, but I'm, yeah. I, I'm a car guy. I've been yeah. passionate about, the, you know, I call it the art of engineering, right. you know, four wheels. And I just love it, you know, and I, and I made a career uh, out of it. I love the, the spirit of competition, you know. Um, and you're a pretty good you know. driver yourself as well. Like uh, the past seasons include five wins. Yeah, I, you know, I, my, 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 I always wanted to be a race car driver and, and, and drive these uh, amazing machines, you know. And, uh, and it's a very expensive sport, and so... Uh, as I was a crew chief and working, I, I figured I, I work in, in racing, and 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 then eventually I built my team. I created my team, my team in in 2000. I started the team in 2009, but I didn't have any race cars, you know. And um, and eventually, somehow, we came together with uh, Pat McKenna, who you know, yeah, uh, with Mini USA, and he wanted Mini to go professional racing, and I was creating my team and. That was the start of the the, the the mini John Cooper Works racing team, and we've been uh, very successful and ex- extremely successful the last three years, winning three three straight manufacturers championships for Mini USA, uh, and uh, we have some really great talented drivers that want to drive the minis, and right. you know what when we when we pull up to the racetrack, everybody knows that if they want to if they want to win the race, they have to beat the minis, right? You know, which is awesome. It, uh, sadly, we're uh, scooting out of time really quickly here. But tell us if people yeah. want to follow you and they want to see you race. Uh, what's the best place to go for them to keep uh, up to date with LAP and the uh, Mini JCW uh, racing? 
Yeah, I mean, we, it's, uh, you can find us on, we have a website, obviously, uh, com. Uh, obviously, Facebook and social media, same name, you know, okay. at mini JCW team. Uh, or they can follow me, you know, Luis Perocarpi on Perfect. social media. Perfect. Thanks, Luis. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show, our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories at our next website, ourautoexpert.com, is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, I will tell you very straightforwardly that uh, I am not responsible enough to own the brand new Dodge Durango Hellcat putting it out there i'm just not responsible at least enough. you're honest yeah i mean it's a i think pretty, it's gorgeous it is gorgeous but it's it fast just, it's fast yeah what else is it what do you mean what else is it it's capable we it's have beautiful. laws here there's laws here Nick. <laughs> it's beautiful comfortable it's, it's comfortable gorgeous. it's three rows it's it's a durango it's what do you expect? technologically <laughs> advanced i mean we covered all the bases it's got here. horsepower baby uh Paul Tyler's here to talk about this Dodge lineup, the complete... I mean, it's only part of the Dodge lineup, but it's almost very difficult to talk about the others when you just talk about those. Hi, Paul. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much uh, for having me on your show again. I'm so happy to be here talking about Dodge Durango. Does anyone ever want to talk about anything but the Hellcat? Uh, you know, we usually start with the Hellcat, and then we walk our way backwards down to the SRT392, and then usually we stop at the RT. But I have the affordable versions, so right? So 15, 15 <laughs> seconds on like the me. other two versions, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm being super honest with you. Like, if I own this vehicle, I'd probably end up in jail. It's it's the one, it's the only thing, I will tell you, there's only thing wrong with a Dodge Hellcat. There's one thing wrong with it. What? Because it's all-wheel drive, you can't do burnouts. That's the only thing. The only uh, thing. I, I agree, but... But Could, amazingly, because you have four-wheel drive, you get all that power of the ground. You can do yeah, but I want to do burnouts. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> is If there's some kind of fuse or something I can disable, a pin I can pull somewhere to just put it in two-wheel drive, you know, real-wheel drive, just let me know. Oh, my gosh. Then, uh, we will not let the customers do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a customer. I'm just a tester. Oh, that's so, it. You know, the... I think I fall under the exemption in the contract. Uh, it's it's a phenomenal vehicle. Let's talk about its design first of all, because I think that's an important thing. Um, you made the front end look more sedan-y. Uh, the lights definitely reflect the Dodge sedan lineup. Yeah, no, we actually uh, knocked it out of the park with the exterior design. Uh, the studio did a great job to refresh this car. And yeah, they took a lot of cues from the Charger uh, front end. So they, they took a lot, of, uh, a lot of space out of those headlamps. And they... Thinned them up a little bit, gave them the full LED uh, uh, lamps across the entire board, and then uh, and then and then bulk up that uh, that front fascia and, uh, and raise up the spot lamps to really give it a real aggressive stance. A lot of times we talk about engineers being design, uh, you know, dream killers for the designers. Like designers go out and go, ooh, let's do this, ooh, let's do this. This is going to look really great. And then the engineers come along and go, you can't do that, you can't do that, and you can't do that. Um, but in this situation, they really had to be good friends and partners and sit next to each other because what the designers had to do is two major things with their design. They had to get the air to go around the vehicle 
to make sure it cut through the air and was able to get the speeds, zero to 60, and the fuel efficiency that you wanted. But at the same time, they had to get the air to go through the vehicle to keep the brakes and engine cool. And those two things were really big, including getting that huge amount, 140 pounds of downforce from that spoiler on the back, which, by the way, if you hadn't calculated, is the size of a small kangaroo sitting on the back of the vehicle just to keep it on the ground. Oh, you just talk, took my talking point to talk about kangaroos. <laughs> no, it's, it's a real, it's a real linear process with the design studio, um, with, with on the automotive OEM. I mean, we, they, they put the, the sketch on the paper and it looks amazing. And then, you know, engineering has to iterate on that. And, and we did have a, an amazing team that worked on this. And to talk about a couple of the things you just mentioned, yeah, airflow is absolutely number one, uh, critical item for a Hellcat. You know, this, this engine, um, gobbles up air. And we had to get enough air into it to, to produce that 710 horsepower and 645 pound feet of torque. And the second thing you mentioned is the brakes, right? You, you, you beefed up the brakes on this. The, the six piston front from those four piston rear with the 75 uh, inch uh, rotors. But you had to get air to those as well. So the, the fog lines are actually deleted on, on all Hellcats. And that's in order to do two things. One is uh, you get airflow into the engine and also you have airflow into the, into the wheel wells to help cool those brakes. So absolutely critical to hit those those engineering specs, but also to create the overall look of a, of a Dodge. Not to get into the weeds too much, but too late, we're already in. Uh, let's talk about the vehicle that this shares some parts with, which is the Jeep Cherokee, the Grand Cherokee. This, obviously the Trackhawk. This shares some some DNA parts, some design and engineering parts with that. It's made in the same factory, I think. Uh, they, they share a little bit. But that this is considerably heavier, I think, by a few hundred pounds, but yet you still got performance numbers exactly the same. So you did something a little bit special with this. Yeah, I mean, this, the, the car is six inches longer. So, I mean, that's what gives it the third row and, and really this, this thing, uh, you know, ch- changes it from a uh, Jeep product into it. The Dodge Durango three-row family SUV. So yes, it's, it's heavier. But the second thing that we do with all of our Dodge products, and and which is we're very proud of, is all of our times uh, are NHRA certified. So yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't cheat the system, but certainly we went and found a track that was you know, near sea level and had the right air temperature and had the right grip and, and prep track. So our uh, our quarter mile time, eleven point five seconds, is NHRA certified, and uh, and that is what we feel that we need to do for our cars is to get the best conditions and the best day and the best opportunity. And that's uh, usually at an NHRA track. Right, right. All right, true to form, in the last minute we have, let's talk about the other two. <laughs> There's the 392 version. <laughs> yeah, so the 392 version is uh, uh, updated front end as well, just like the, uh, the Hellcat. And uh, it's got the legendary uh, 392 engine, which is producing 475 horsepower, which is still amazing. Yep. And both of these cars, the Hellcat and the SRT 392, they tow 8,700 pounds, which is just unbelievable for this uh, this kind of car. And then really, the last thing I want to talk about, and, and what I think is the gem in the overall Dodge Durango lineup, is the new RT Tilgo. Uh, so we took basically all the mechanical parts from an SRT, and we put it onto an RT. So you're going to get the active damping suspension, you're going to get the 295 wheels, you're going to get the Brembo brakes, and all that is going to enable you to take an RT and tow 8,700 pounds, which is, which is amazing as well, because that car has the 5.7-liter V8 engine, but it was never limited by the engine. It was always limited by the grip on the ground. Right. So those wider wheels and the suspension, we're able to tow 8,700 pounds. 
I like to see police departments have the Hellcat one. I think that would be awesome. Uh, are they all available now, or when do they go on sale? Uh, so all the vehicles are on sale now, minus the Hellcat. So ordering from Hellcat is open, and that production will start in January. All right. I'm just saying uh, I would like a Hellcat Durango, just not responsible enough to own one. And I'm not the only one. There are other people in the Dodge family who agree with me. They say they're just not responsible enough. But an amazing machine. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Uh, this is our Auto Expert Radio Show. Our Auto Experts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Just send us a question. Direct messages at Our Auto Expert. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I was lucky enough to drive uh, several variants of the new Mercedes-Benz E-Class, uh, Motor Trend Car of the Year, by the way, and uh, drove the convertible version, or the cabriolet, when you say cabriolet it sounds much more sexy uh, i also drove the brand new all-terrain version sounds like it should be a big suv that goes everywhere but all-terrain is the wagon which is slightly raised and i have to tell you this is what i've been waiting for forever yes you don't have to have a ponytail and a pair of yoga pants to drive this. It is for everybody. I am wow. living proof of this. I am living proof that you could drive it, and it's one of my favorite vehicles already. Uh, Lauren Harris joining us from Mercedes-Benz to talk about this vehicle. Uh, why has it taken so long, Lauren, to get something like the all-terrain in the United States? Because it's been available everywhere else in the world. I've just been waiting a long time. Yes. So first of all, thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm really glad to hear your excitement around this model because it's something that I'm definitely really excited that we were able to bring to the U.S. with the facelift. And like you said, it's something that's been somewhat of a forbidden fruit in our market since it launched in Europe. And so we're really excited to bring it here for the first time. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a car that it's got that same luxury high tech appeal of the E-Class. But now we're bringing this really good-looking, rugged exterior exterior to the vehicle. And I think that that's something, um, I mean, you just said it, that our wagon customers are going to really be able to get excited about. And, you know, it, it's no secret that the U.S. market has really been loving SUVs lately and actually has been for a few years now. So um, by bringing the all-terrain to the U.S., we're really able to lean into that popularity of, of the SUVs and bring some of that SUV-like character to the same wagon that we all know and love. So I'm glad to hear you're excited that it's here because we're excited that it's here too. And um, I think it's going to be something really great for our wagon customers. I mean, those of, us, those of us with European heritage have always known that an SUV or a crossover is really just a raised wagon. It's just everybody in America is fooled not to understand that it's just a raised wagon. Uh, it's just that when you lower it, people don't get it. So now, you know, with the all-terrain, it's just they've raised up a wagon an extra inch, and there yeah. you go. This is what you wanted. Now you got it. I mean, it's not as exactly. tall as... Go on. It's not as tall as an SUV, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a wagon with all of our wagon-specific features that our customers have appreciated in the past. So you still have the rear-facing third row, the elongated roof line, and the wagon body, wagon body styling along with just um, that overall practicality of a wagon with the extra cargo space, but then that kind of sedan-like handling. So 
it's really just a more capable version of the previous wagon because for model year 21, we've also been able to introduce the um, standard air body control, the standard 19-inch wheels, and actually even some new off-road driving modes as part of the dynamic select that include features like downhill speed regulation and just allow for um, better handling in general depending on the driving conditions. So, does, it do yeah, the, it's something does it do the dance like the uh, GLE? It doesn't do the dance like the GLE. No, it's still a wagon, so it's not an SUV. Um, we, it's still a Mercedes-Benz wagon. Oh, I think really you, if you added the dance, I'd be even more excited about it. So the uh, if, for those people that don't know, the GLE, <laughs> it has this uh, this mode to get you out when you're stuck in sand, and, and it does a dance. It uh, Yeah, it, uh, if you want to see that, you can go and see my Mercedes-Benz uh, or my Mercedes-Maybach GLE 600. Uh, review on on ourautoexpert.com you can watch me do a dance in the vehicle uh the i I drove the all-terrain when i was in um la last week um and it just it it's phenomenal um and it's just it's just great fun and and it's interesting that you did rear-facing third row seats so they're sort of these seats which a third row was really meant for where they're in in what would normally be the trunk and you just flip them out if you need to take extra kids. It's very European. It's You don't have them there unless you actually need them, right? Which is what a third row was always meant to be, really. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just an extra feature. I mean, it's just an added bonus on the wagon, really. Because like I said, one of the appeals of the wagon is you get that kind of sedan-like styling and interior um lower lower to the ground sedan like handling and then now you have that extra capability and then of course you can have the rear third row up or down to get that extra cargo space as needed so it just really contributes to the overall practicality um, and versatility of the vehicle and the best part about that is i can put people in the third row i don't want to look at because they face the other way that's <laughs> that's the best part about it what features you don't have to in the rear view mirror. right facing yeah no exactly what features does a wagon have uh that is you know that is SUV doesn't or a sedan doesn't? I mean, apart from the space. Um, So actually, one of the big differences this year on the wagon versus the sedan is we have the standard air body control air suspension. So this, coupled with the dynamic select and off-road driving modes, just allows for some extra variability in the ride height, um, making the vehicle more capable depending on what drive mode you're in and what speed you're traveling in. And then also, we have standard 19-inch wheels on the wagon, too, which are um, they're available on the sedan, but that's the first wheel option you get on the all-terrain for model year 21. So just a little bit um, per- improved performance on the wagon um, in just in terms of its overall capability. Jen just wrote me a note, and she says the blue color name equals sexy. Whatever, what's the blue color name? It's beautiful. The new color. So we the don't blue. get it on the series models, but we get on the AMG. It's the brilliant blue Magno. Yes. Is that the color you're referring to? Yes. It looks like almost like a matte yeah, yes, yeah. So that one is new for model year 21 on the ECOS family. Um, we don't have it on the 350 and 450 models, but you can find it on the AMG variants. It looks really good, especially on the Cabriolet. And yes. The, um, that, that I don't know if you've seen it on the E63S wagon, but it's really beautiful there as well. Yeah, that's the one I had on the Cabriolet that I drove around LA too. It, uh, you guys have been hitting and out of the park with those colors. I'm always a bit afraid of them because presumably you have to wash them with a toothbrush. Is that right? Uh, you do not have to wash them with the toothbrush. Yeah, I mean, the Magno paints are always going to be, you know, it's a little bit trickier to take care of. But at the end of the day, I mean, they just look so amazing that um, there's definitely a, a value add with them. Uh, to win and, the – go on. I was going to say, yeah, go to win the Motor Trend Car of the Year, that's pretty prestigious. 
Yeah, you know, and that's something um, that we're really excited for you. It's a really exciting year for the ECOS just with the mid-cycle refresh. And um, I'm really excited to see the family get that kind of recognition, especially in the unique scenario where it's the whole ECOS family. So you hear the ECOS being referred to as the heart of the brand, and it's an iconic model in the Mercedes-Benz family. And I think that for model year 21, it really got the refresh it needed to continue to set the bar in terms of luxury, safety, and performance. But, you know, now it's a little bit more sporty and modern design character. So it's definitely something that I'm really excited about. Um, it's a big accolade for the ECOS family. It's it's interesting to look at this, too, because when I listen to Rob Moran, the uh, the head of your uh, marketing department, talk about numbers, he's always talking about how the AMG trim levels in the vehicle, I don't know if trim levels is the right word, but when people buy Mercedes-Benz, just everybody wants to deck them out as AMGs. It seems like AMG is what people want. Yeah, I mean, the E-Class family, you know, the great thing about the E-Class family is what I just said. There's, it's a really diverse model lineup. You start with the E350 sedan and you work your way all the way up to the E63S wagon. So one of the great things about it, the AMG variants, you know, you've got the 53s, the 63s, and then for on the Mercedes-Benz side, you've got the 350s and the 450s. Coupes, cabriolets, sedans, all trains. Um, the E-Class family is really unique in that regard. So I think that um, there's really something for everyone in, in terms of an E-Class. Uh, it's just amazing to see the amount of uh, the, the numbers of vehicles. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Cabriolet because I did drive the Cabriolet for a few days down in L.A. as well. And I think one of the best selling points is it doesn't really matter where you live in the country, providing that uh, in, this is the car that you have space for. But the one thing that sells me on uh, the Cabriolet is the air scarf. Uh, yes, that is actually one of my favorite features. So I love that you love that. Um, you know, it's funny. So the air scarf, for those of you who don't know what that feature is, it actually it's built into the headrest and it, is, it will blow warm air around you when you're driving. And one thing about it that a lot of people may, might not know or take advantage of is you can even do it when the top of the Cabriolet is up. So top up driving, top down driving. Um, it just It's one of those things that really sets Mercedes-Benz apart and gives it that extra luxury appeal. Um, who doesn't want to ride around <laughs> with a warm scarf of air blowing around your neck in cold weather? It yeah. makes it, um, Jen wants it all the time because even when we drive together in a car and it's like 90 degrees out, she still has the seat heater on, I have I to do. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I, I, like I, I know. I love it. <laughs> Noted. Yeah, heated front seats are a new standard feature for model year 21 on the um, sedan and all-terrain as well. So, All right, so E-Class on sale now. Is every variant on sale, or are we waiting for on-sale dates? How are we looking? All of the series variants, so all of the Mercedes-Benz variants are in the market and ready. So the all-terrain that we just talked about and the Cabriolet are also on sale and already available. And how many variants are there? You probably can't remember. Oh my goodness, there's a lot, there's a lot. A lot of variants. Starting, right. Starting with the three, we've got the 350 sedan, the 354 Matic, 454 Matic, 450 all terrain, um, two Mercedes-Benz variants to the coupe, two of the Cabriolet. I can go on and on. There's an E-Class for everyone, like I said. Uh, it, it sounds like it. And then, of course, you get to the wagon, which the E-Class, E63S wagon, which 
You can even put in drift mode. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I have done that, by the way. And I've done drifting and burnouts and all those things. I mean, you can, you can go from the sedate family four-door that is your everyday runaround to the wagon that you can drift in circles and do donuts on a racetrack. It's unbelievable. Does, oh, bolstered seats. Does it have is that Is that what too? you're doing? Yes. I thought you were showing me that you had love handles. No. Does no. that mean bolstered seats? The bolstered seats. Okay. They make me giggle every time I go around the corner. Okay. Is that all it takes? Bolstered <laughs> seats? All it takes. <laughs> she was like pinching her sides. Good. I was trying to work out what she was doing. Bolstered seats. Is that That's, that's sign language for bolstered seats. <laughs> Okay. Uh, there you go. Uh, congratulations <laughs> on winning Motor Trend Car of the Year, uh, Lauren Harris from Mercedes-Benz. Uh, the vehicles are great, and uh, Mercedes-Benz, of course, taking away the prize. More to come on Iron Auto Experts. Stand by. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri. Play our Auto Expert radio show, and all the previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles. This is our Auto Expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news from our Auto Expert. A lot of interesting news happening this week around our Auto Expert, and automakers unveil a proposal to speed up self-driving deployment. A group of representatives of major automakers unveiled last Wednesday a proposal aiming to make it easier to deploy thousands of self-driving vehicles in coming years, according to a document seen by one of the big news agencies in North America, the Alliance to Automotive Innovation, a group of representing uh, General Motors, along with Toyota, as well as Volkswagen, and most other automakers say the U.S. Transportation Department should establish a robust national pilot program for autonomous vehicles, testing and deployment, and create a new vehicle vehicle class for autonomous vehicles. The uh, current standards were written... Oh, who's that was Andy's phone. I'm sorry, I was, right. I was trying to download something. Were you? Like our auto expert? I, I was trying to get the app, yeah. Uh, yes, see, there you go. Current standards were written uh, assuming that the presence of a human driver was in every vehicle, which presents a uh, deployment barrier for vehicles without a human controlling the steering wheel. Volvo buses, bosses, even Volvo bosses, are expecting uh, the company to become EV only in the next nine years. 20% of the brand's global sales this year were electrified vehicles. Volvo is one of the companies in the automotive industry that's embraced electrification at a faster pace. The Swedish brand, which is actually owned by Cherry in China's final model to feature a combustion engine, is likely the next generation of XC90 by 2030. Uh, Volvo bosses want the marquee to deliver zero emission cars only. Uh, talking uh, about taking a look at the next decade, Geely owners uh, want three milestones to be achieved. The first one, 20% of its global sales to be electrified. They should be able to achieve that this year. Then uh, by 2025, Volvo wants half of its sales to be fully electrified by 2030. And finally, it wants to go all electrified in the next nine years or so. Uh, Honda says the S200 is reportedly coming back. That's right. They have uh, 
thought we've thought this will happen for a while. It looks like it might come back with the Civic Type R engine. It would allegedly arrive in 2024. Uh, this takes a massive and giant uh, leap forward. We're putting two and two together to make 454. Uh, there's some information that suggests this might happen. But a source at Honda tells uh, certain magazines that they have received some information that the S200 is under consideration by the brand. And allegedly, there is some sort of investigation about whether the new sports car would arrive by 2024. Do you remember sitting in a Honda S2000 at the Portland Auto Show, Andy? I, yeah, I sat in it twice because it was so comfortable. Yeah, but remember your head came above the roof line. Yeah, the top it did. was down. It poked out a little you bit. You could actually, you could actually see above the windshield. Mm, yes, not, when I was a big boy. I'm not sure that you're actually. I'm not sure you're actually fit for that vehicle. It's only fit for short people, really. Yeah, no, I, I can't get my left or right leg in it. <laughs> battery costs are falling, and electric vehicles are starting to become cheaper. Battery costs are really jumping down. Uh, it's now down to $110 per kilowatt hour, making such cars very competitive, using more than using internal combustion engines, according to uh, Benchmark Millennial Intelligence, BMI. Uh, one barrier to making electric vehicles has always been the higher cost of producing lithium-ion batteries batteries, uh, which has always been above $120 per kilowatt hour, uh, up as much as $280 per kilowatt hour in 2014. So it looks like battery vehicles are uh, much cheaper. And uh, gasoline uh, engines, uh, vehicles going to be stopped in Japan in 2030. Uh, see if that works out well for them. Plus the Fiat brand saying they are going to go all electric, 60% uh, electric, sorry, by 20. Uh, 21. The last electric Fiat uh, will be coming to an end, or the last gasoline Fiat will be coming to an end in sometime in the future. But by 2021, 60% of their vehicles will be all electric. I'm not sure how I feel about electric cars. I like you can plug them in. I like ideas like Ford's SUV electric, but I like electric vehicles as long as they have range and space. Take those two things away, I'm out. And speed. In that order, though? Range, speed, and space. Okay. That order. Yeah. Right. No, there speed, range, and space. Speed first, range, and space. Well, usually electric cars. They have to have all three, else I'm out. Yeah, you're not even going to look at them. Yeah. And styling. They can't, if they look like a dead fish, which a lot of the electric cars do, <laughs> I'm out. Seriously. Some of them move like one. Yeah. And that's just the end of the driveway. Mm. <laughs> I'm serious. Those things, what what do they have to have for you, Jen? They have to sound like a truck, be as high as a truck. They have to sound beefy. I just don't like that there's hardly any sound. Really? In a lot of the electric cars. No. How do you feel about sound that gets piped into a vehicle? Yeah. You wouldn't know. Well, that's what you keep telling me. How many vehicles, uh, which vehicles have you ridden in with me that you know the sound's piped in? I think there's a Lexus. Is it the Lexus f 500? LC500. LC 500? Okay. Is that right? Did you like that? I'm not telling you which one. Oh. How do you feel about the sound of that? It was fine. How did you feel about the sound of the Hellcat? I love the Hellcat. Oh, but that yeah. one's piped in, I know for a fact. You do? Yeah, that's what you told me. Mm -hmm. I, I did? Yes, you did in okay. the car because I was disappointed. It's not piped in. It wasn't? No. Then what were you telling me that was? Uh -huh. How do you feel about the sound of the Mercedes Benz AMGs? Oh, I love those. 
You do? Uh-huh. What about the sound of the BMW M8? Mm, I don't remember. You don't? No. The convertible? No. I don't really? think. Really? I don't think I was in that What one. about the two series that I own? I haven't been in that one either. That one sounds nice. <sighs> Does it? Yeah. yeah. It's clean. And that one's piped in. Yeah. Yeah, I knew BMW. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying most people have no clue it's piped in and they get all up on a big high horse and say, oh, there's manufactured sound on the inside. No, most people can't tell. And if you can tell, it's because you've read it somewhere. Well, I love, I, you know, it's pathetic, but I love turning on my Chevy truck that's old, the older one. Yeah. Because it's like... Blah, 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 Is that blah, the one blah, you blah, have blah, to blah. shovel coal under the engine? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. Very funny. No. I think sound is important because it's such it a visceral feeling. You know what I do dislike immensely? But. but I understand why they do it. Toyota have this sound when you put the car in reverse because most of them are electric, you know. Um, let's say the hybrids, they reverse in electricity alone. Mm-hmm. They have this sound so people know it's moving and reversing. When you put it in reverse, it sounds like the brake got stuck on. Ooh. It goes, uh. oh, no. No, no, no. Who thought of that? reversing it. I don't know. The Japanese? <laughs> there was a lot of people that green-lighted that, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. yeah I, honestly, sure. it makes me feel like the brake is stuck somewhere. One of the brakes is stuck on the car. It hurts. Yeah. I feel uncomfortable. It shouldn't happen. I'm just some, saying. Some people, they make horrendous mistakes, and you do. You're right, Andy. Sometimes I wonder, how did you guys not work this out? It doesn't make any sense. You know who got it right? <laughs> With everything. Ford. With the F-150, still the number one truck in, and the number one vehicle in the world. We'll talk about that coming up. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is the world's radio show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Andy's in the studio, too. Andy, uh, what do you drive? I drive a modest 2017 Honda Accent. Um, Hyundai, Hyundai. Oh, Hyundai. You said Honda. Hyundai. Oh, oh, not a Honda. Not today. Hyundai. Hyundai. <laughs> yeah. Just and I, I'm like a third of the size of it. It comes to something when your friend has to tell you what you drive. Um, <laughs> I guess I am the car guy. Have you ever thought about a truck? I did almost. Yeah, I almost did. I wanted like a Ford, like a like a 750, but they didn't have those. <laughs> a 750? I think yeah. a 650 is the biggest one they make. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm waiting. F650. I'm waiting for the, the F750. Really? Mm. Yep. Uh, you seem like an F-Series type of guy. Yeah, I wake up usually in the morning ready for F-Series, but I'm holding out. <laughs> for an F-750. Yep. Uh, why did you just get a semi and be done with it? Exactly. <laughs> the good thing about the semi is you can just detach the back end. Yeah, I could just live in that, right? Yeah. you could. They have a cab sleep in the back. Well, I mean, I am a, 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 a hugely good driver. I think I could do <laughs> go across the United States and back. Try parallel parking that in my driveway. That would be a lot easier. I don't know where to put my car. There's so much room. It's like a parking lot with no white marks. <laughs> I'm I not spraying my driveway with white marks just for white lines just for you. That would help a lot. I would know where to go. I just oh awkwardly God. stop in the middle of the driveway. He needs reflective, li- reflective <laughs> strips at night. Nick, I need you to come out and guide me in like an airplane. Yeah, with like little <laughs> little aura light batons yeah. and a reflective vest. Please. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like you you should be in a truck. 
I do look like a truck guy, don't I? You do. Yeah, I definitely don't look like I should be in a Hyundai. But you know what? Great gas mileage, and uh, I look pretty good in it. Uh, you know who knows all about F truck series? Tell me. Yes. Uh, is Travis Calhoun. He's from Ford, and he is the F-150 consumer marketing manager from Ford. Uh, are you Are you sort of tired of Ford being on top? Because your job is pretty much done for you, isn't it, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Nick, it, uh, it, we, we like to think that we never rest. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to try to stay on top, uh, and uh, and we want to try to stay there as best we can. What do you mean a lot of effort? You're like 400,000 units above your nearest competition. You're uh, you're really that's, outpacing That's not <laughs> fair, but that's not by mistake. Uh, that is a very, it takes a very concerted effort by a wonderful team of individuals and our awesome dealers across the country, uh, and uh, we, we look forward to continuing to deliver our 44th year of leadership uh, if all goes to plan at the end of the year. Uh, is it now? So you've been the number one truck in the United States for how long? For uh, forty-three years. Okay, and the number one and vehicle in, for thirty-eight. Yeah. Wow. Can you just quit for a while, Jeez. please? Can you give somebody else a chance? Because I feel like it's <laughs> the deck is kind of stacked. Just saying. I feel. Uh, make make no mistake. The competition certainly goes for us, but we like to think that we make the best product uh, and are serving the needs of all of our customers for work or recreational purposes. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, if you're buying a truck, usually it's because you need a truck. Uh, you're doing truck things uh, like towing and hauling. Uh, be it people or gear, again, for work or for recreation, and we just want to make sure we're delivering the best product uh, to our customers. I feel like I have to be a little harder on you because uh, you're just out of control with your sales, and I need to hold <laughs> you back in a little bit. I do think well, it's... Well, real quick, if I may, yeah. uh, Andy, I hate to disappoint you, but we do make an F-750. Ah! Oh, I want a baby blue so one. If you, if, you, uh, if, you need, if you need me to set you up, you just let me know. I'm sure we can find oh, man, I'm in your gonna, area that will be glad to take care of you. I'm going to text you shortly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's a big jump, by the way, to go from a, a Hyundai Accent to a 750. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready for it. It is, yeah. It's a big truck. Uh, here's you have to work on your CDL too. Do you know? Yeah, you have to get a, a special license for that. I got you, that, Travis. You know what I think is ironic? You have just come out with a hybrid vehicle, um, a plug-in. Is it a plug-in hybrid? The new, uh, the new F one fifty. Or a hybrid? It is not. No, no. It is a full hybrid engine full. Uh, that does not require being plugged in. So you've just but come... the cool thing is, is you can plug things into it. All right, uh, which is awesome. So right. we've debuted our new Pro Power onboard system, uh, where you can have a generator built into your truck up to seven point two kilowatts. Yeah, and it powers. Uh, that's like enough to power about twenty eight refrigerators. Yeah, well, we're, if you know the amount that Andy and I eat, wow. we need twenty eight refrigerators. Yeah, all I heard was twenty eight refrigerators. <laughs> um, you know what I think is? I think what's ironic and funny about that. So obviously that uses electricity in part, even though it's created by the gas engine. But what Correct. I think is funny, and I was giggling about this yesterday because I was thinking about it, is the fact that the majority of your uh, of trucks uh, or a good number of your vehicles are purchased by the oil, gas, coal industry, and yet you have a hybrid truck. I think that's hilarious. I mean, it still, ta it still takes gasoline. Yeah, I know. Make sure that we're delivering that, that and solution. Good so listen. You're the number one truck in it. Fuel economy, and we can still deliver awesome towing and torque and payload. Uh, and that hybrid still delivers our maximum horsepower and torque. Travis, uh, you're the cool. Travis. You're the number one truck in America. Just give me my little irony. Just that's all I'm asking. <laughs> Just my little bit of irony there. He's like, I can we do what I want because I can do what I we want. <laughs> we appreciate we appreciate all of our customers regardless. Of all right, so. So, uh, listen, I think it's also quite funny that your competition has an ad out there 
that they have a 12-inch screen and it's not an F1 and it's not an F150 and they have a 12-inch screen yet you're still outselling them. I think that's funny too. Uh, but the really cool thing is that we have we are now offering our version of a 12-inch screen on ah. the 2021 F150. Ah. And what's even one thing I'm particularly proud of uh, on other competitive trucks that was that is exclusively reserved for the more premium trim series, uh, we've brought that into about 50% of our lineup. So about half the trucks we are producing will have that 12-inch screen in it. Uh, so we're really trying to democratize that uh, and give it give the people what they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, it's real truck guys. I mean, especially the municipalities who exclusively pretty much drive F-150s and a lot of those guys like oil, gas, coal, mining who also rely on F-150s, they probably don't want a 12-inch screen. So the good thing is that at least you offer it to the people that use them as uh, family vehicles as well. So the people that want it get it. The people that don't want it also don't have to take it, which I also like. I think that's a good choice. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's one of our kind of key key elements of as we're developing the product is we want to make sure that we have that optionality and customers aren't paying for things that they don't want. Uh, we still make trucks with manual windows and locks uh, because there are customers that don't want to spend money on that, uh, such as those municipalities and in, uh, in construction sites. Uh, so we want to make sure we're serving the needs of each one of our, our truck customers as best we can. So what is the secret sauce to the F-Series being so dominant? Uh, in two words. Uh, continuous innovation. Uh, I think that we truly try to pride ourselves in understanding our customers uh, and deliver things that they hadn't even thought of uh, to make their life easier and make themselves more productive. I like the fact there's several things I like that people don't really talk about very much. One is that you have the third seat in the front row so you can fold down the center console and become a third seat or fold it up, I guess, fold it up so it can become a third seat. That's pretty cool. And that is pretty cool, yeah. And you know, it also also cool. It works in the reverse, so you can fold it down now uh, and turn it into a table, uh, both with our bench seats and with our uh, with our captain's chairs. We're now offering an interior work surface with the all new F one fifty that will allow customers to get the job done inside the cab. I also like the fact that you can recline the seats down one hundred and eighty degrees and take it. Andy, you like it? You can take a nap. What is there? <laughs> is, is there like a microwave too in there? Uh, you could certainly power one, uh, absolutely. Uh, it, uh, the cool thing about it is with those seats, uh, not only does it uh, fold to nearly 180 degrees, but as it's folding, the lower seat cushion actually lifts up to prevent there being a gap there and giving you that flat surface to sleep on. And then you have additional support that you can adjust uh, for the upper back to make sure that you're in the ideal sleeping position. And those same seats offer heating, uh, heat, ventilation, and their massaging seats as well. Okay, I have to say my favorite is the tailgate work surface. I, Jen, I love that you said that. Uh, the tailgate work surface is awesome. It's awesome. Uh, so not only are we trying to boost productivity up inside the truck, but we're also doing that at the rear at the business end of the truck as well. So as you deploy the tailgate on that surface, uh, as the tailgate's deployed, uh, you not only have a mobile phone holder, but cup holders, pen and pencil holders. Uh, and the material that's on it is actually made out of a more durable nylon and glass uh, that's abrasion resistant for customers that are trying to, uh, to do uh, uh, additional work in the bed. It also comes with the integrated ruler. Is that correct? Yep, we've got both. Uh, we got two sets of rulers on there as well, and some integrated seat clamp pockets. So we spent a lot of time researching how our customers use our trucks, and one of the things we noticed is that they were using the tailgate as a workbench, uh, but they were using seat clamps to affix uh, like lumber or timber to the to the tailgate, and then trying to cut off of that. Uh, as a kind of a firm surface, but in doing so, they were damaging their tailgates with the C-clamps uh, by trying to clamp it all the way down, 
so with this, we provided two pockets that are now standard on every F-150 we sell uh, that allows them to have that point to actually uh, clamp down uh, whatever they need to on the tailgate. All right, last minute we've got left. Let's talk about towing and hauling because that's where the truck guys get all excited. And girls. Of course. Guys and all towers. Towers of all genders, of course. <laughs> so what, what can we do? What are, what are the numbers? Sure. So on the 3.5-liter EcoBoost engines, which is one of our six engines that we offer on F-150, on um, the EcoBoost engine, we now are up to 400 horsepower and 500 pound-feet of torque, and that engine is now capable of towing up to 14,000 pounds, uh, which is best in class, uh, not just by a little bit. Uh, and then also very impressive is that power boost full hybrid that we talked about is no slouch either. So with that, we have 430 horsepower, 570 pound-feet of torque, and that's capable of towing up to 12,700 pounds uh, in a full hybrid. Uh, and by the way, that same full hybrid is rated by the EPA at 24 miles per gallon for the city, highway, and combined. Boom, take that to the bank. How much is it going to cost me and when is it available? Uh, it is available now. Uh, the pricing on it is uh, is uh, posted online. Our starting price is about uh, it's just under twenty nine thousand dollars, or twenty eight thousand nine hundred forty dollars, and you can equip that all the way up to about seventy five thousand dollars for our most premium limited series. All right. Uh, they are shipping to dealers now. We sold our first ones this week, so we're excited to get more customers behind the wheel. Buy them, and they're over six thousand pounds, so they will qualify for the agricultural tax benefit. If you uh, own your own business, you should probably get one before the end of the year because you can take that money off of your income tax but consult your cpa for that thank you so much my friend f-150 and the f-series still dominant in the truck and vehicle market stand by more our auto expert on the way you're listening to our auto expert Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Experts, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. He's the other half of Our Auto Expert, Mike Cadell, joining us on the phone. Mike, you uh, just spent the last three days getting up at stupid uh, o'clock to do live TV uh, in Detroit and uh, do some Fox and Friends, and you did get to see the SEMA vehicles for Ford, the new Broncos. Uh, did you manage to smuggle one in your luggage on the plane? I tried. I tried to smuggle one in my luggage on the plane, but holy smokes, like way to intro me into the show today. It's like getting up at oh stupid hundred, then, then you jump to cars, and then SEMA, and then and then the Bronco. I don't. I don't know where to start, you guys. Well, I set you up. Now knock those pins down. Go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> here we go. So, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Okay, Terry. Hey, Terry, by the way, go. first of all, I should introduce you. You've never met before, but my my longtime radio partner. Uh, um, it, well, one third of the radio show. The other third is lives in Chicago, but one third of the radio show that we used to do for many years is here in the studio with Jen. His name is Andy. So Andy, uh, one of my best friends, say hello to one of my other best friends. Uh, Andy, meet Mike. Mike, meet Andy. Uh, I'm going to hug you when I meet you, Mike. I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, it's nice. It's nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. So now that we got all the the, the meet yous out of the way, Nick, um, I will give you the shakedown from the last five days. It was a pretty great uh, four days in Detroit, uh, kind of last-minute trip up there. Uh, as you know, we always go to Las Vegas for the SEMA show, and we shoot a Fox Sports show while we're there. And obviously with the thing happening with the coronavirus, we weren't able to get there and do it. So uh, I got a good sneak peek into some of the vehicles that would have been debuted there. Uh, two incredible Jeeps by uh, the folks over at FCA, or I guess now it's called Stellantis, but, uh, which 
it sounds like a prescription is it, drug. Is it actually Stellantis it, already? Like, do they change the names outside the building, or is no, it no? Okay. No. Okay. No, it's still FCA. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna maintain that for a while. But one you'll want to want to check out, uh, especially when our Fox Sports show comes out uh, here in the next few weeks, is it's called the Jeep Gladiator Top Dog, and they've turned it into <gasps> an overlanding vehicle. It's very very cool. It's got thirty seven inch wheels and tires on it. And I learned some really cool things when I was at this kind of undisclosed location from the, you know, for the folks at, at Jeep. I, I didn't realize this, but they make more than 500 Mopar parts for Jeep, you know, Jeeps within their model lineup. And then they've created a new brand called Jeep Performance Parts. They've got 200 of those. And uh, even learning that, the, the most and the coolest thing I would say that I learned while I was there that I, I, I guess I just never knew. I had no idea what Mopar stood for. And uh, one of their product guys uh, on the design team was there. Stands for motor parts. Had no idea. <laughs> Good work, Mike. Way to be in the auto industry. <laughs> um, like, I had to play it off like I knew it. But, yeah, I had a chance to look at those Jeeps. They were really cool. Uh, they were showcasing kind of some new products for them this year. They've got some new... You know, some rock sliders on them. They've got some new wheels and tires. They've got a new snorkel that's on it. And then on, on the regular Wrangler, Wrangler Rubicon, they've got these new mesh sleeves that go over your tube doors. And uh, I thought those were really cool because it, it kind of keeps that open door feel uh, while still keeping you protected from the elements, which was, was neat. But then the, the, the best part of the week was, of course, uh, heading over to a location in downtown Detroit to check out the new Broncos that were going to be showcased at SEMA. I got to tell you right now, guys, I, I know I, you, everyone knows I'm a Bronco guy. So, you know, take my, my thoughts worth a grain of salt, but I can tell you right now that the concept vehicle that was there, it looked like a 1967, 68, 69, four Bronco, early Bronco, same, same lines, big off-road wheels and tires. In fact, I posted on my own Facebook page, um, a picture of both of them side by side. So mine uh, that I have, which is a 75, and I posted it up against that new 2021 two-door, and I can tell you they look identical. Um, I'm really happy for the folks at Ford that they were able to knock that design out of the park, and then when they start building concept vehicles around it, it's, it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, did you get to drive any of these, or were they stingy with the keys? I did get to drive the uh, Bronco Sport, which you've also driven, Nick. Yeah. And, uh, and I know we can't really talk about our driving experiences as of yet. They're still under embargo for driving impressions. but Until until Monday. It, but let's stop. Just outside of driving, tell me your thoughts. On the, on the Bronco Sport? Yeah. Incredible. Okay. Absolutely incredible. I think it'll be one of the most underrated vehicles until consumers get behind the wheel. And then once they do, you're going to hear across the country people raving about that car. Uh, it does have active exhaust on it, and that active exhaust, when you move it into sport mode, totally changes the dynamics of that of that vehicle. Um, and I, I can't obviously get into what it does, but I can tell you that it is a lot of fun to drive. Uh, and I think they knocked it out of the park. I think it's a small version of kind of the new Land Rover Defender, and I think they did a great job on that. And then I closed out my week actually at Truck Hero, which is a company, Nick, you and I know very well, in Ann Arbor. And, uh, you know, it's a company, they, they've got more than 20,000 parts for Jeeps. Listen, think about that, 20,000 parts. They are the number one Jeep supplier of parts in the world. They're a more than a billion-dollar company. They have their own photo video studio, and I spent uh, about five hours there yesterday morning in Ann Arbor looking over their new Jeeps. They have a new Gladiator Overlander they built, and, of course, a Wrangler Rubicon as well. And so some cool stuff that they're building for these vehicles. And how many parts did you manage to steal? 
I, I got about 14 in my bag. Ah, ba-boom. Yeah, at least you've got to come got, home got with something. 14. Like, you can do all these TV interviews. We've got to win at some point. You've got to put stuff on your own well, vehicle. I'll tell you what, it was such a great week to be in Detroit, you know, spending so much time, you know, both doing live television on Thursday on Fox News and Fox Business and then closing the week out, bookending the week, really, on the front and back end with Fox Sports doing our show. You know, it's it's great for the Our Auto Expert team to be out there pounding the pavement, checking out some of these cool cars before a lot of other folks get to. And, you know, it's just easy to go to that Our Auto Expert website just to see, you know, see what's shaking in the auto industry so tell me in the last uh, minute that we have left when we can see some of this stuff on the website or on tv or when when we can have packages that you're going to show off all your special sparkly stuff is that you stabbing me in the side right now saying dude where are you? get your work done mike <laughs> ouch mike is he flying everywhere no you're right so i over the next few weeks you know we're going to have we're going to have some great news packages up we're also going to have some new youtube videos we, we did a full walk around uh, 10-minute video, both at Truck Hero and one at FCA, uh, with both of the engineers that designed the vehicles that would have been at SEMA. So it's really cool. You'll be able to see those. Those are going to go up here in the next week. So right. if you just keep checking into that OurAutoExpert.com website, you'll see the news packages popping on stations across the country and then the YouTube videos as well. All right. I put a reminder in the calendar, so I'll be reminding you in two weeks. Mike Goodell, the other half of my Our Auto Expert. Check all of his reviews online. You can see all of his great videos and read all of his great content. Uh, we'll have more of that great content coming up. Stand by. Here we go. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show, our Auto Expert on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It doesn't sound very good when you run the words together. Uh, you can just direct message us if you have a question, and we will answer it. Our Auto Experts, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Anton Warman, independent analyst and investor. He can be read at the street and seeking alpha. He joins us every single week to discuss what is going on in the world, especially when it comes to electric vehicles, Tesla, and business. Globally, Tesla's BEV market share fell from 21% in July to just 16% in October. That reflects a massive new BEV competition in Europe, uh, but also in China. Interestingly enough, I'm sure their share price hasn't reflected that. Tesla in trouble. We keep thinking they are, but they seem to bail themselves out. What say you, Anton Wallman? Well, there's certainly a disconnect between what's going on in the stock market and what is going on in terms of the actual sales of the product. Because as, as we break down the world into its main three geographies, namely Europe, North America, and Asia, and Asia, of course, as far as Tesla is concerned, consists mostly of China, uh, we see clear market share losses in certainly Europe. Uh, but also when we add them all together to the global level, you know, Tesla uh, has a quarterly pattern in which it ships, uh, I should say, sells and delivers most of its cars in the third and final month of the quarter. So that would be September, December, March, and June. So when you compare sales for Tesla, you really have to compare apples to apples. If you're comparing sales in October, you really have to compare it with uh, July and April and January and the previous October. So if we take just the most recent data here that we have, we have the full numbers from October out. We don't quite yet have the full numbers for November. That's coming soon. But uh, when we have the full, take the full numbers for October and compare them to July, 
Tesla's global pure electric vehicle sales uh, market share fell from 21% in July to 16% in October. That's a pretty big fall in market share, and that really reflects uh, just this onset of massive competition around the world, most importantly by far at this point in Europe, where all of these types of electric cars that we don't really see or hear from in the United States, we don't even have some of these brands selling in the United States, are very competitive in Europe. Uh, you know, at the same time, as the new European BEVs come out, Tesla's going to be under more and more pressure as time goes on. That's right. So Europe is where the action is right now, because if you look at the sheer number of very uh, qualified uh, mid-range to slightly higher-end battery electric vehicles, that's what we call BEVs, uh, these are the ones that are not plug-in hybrids or anything with a combustion engine whatsoever. These are pure electric cars. There are just so many of them that are coming online in Europe. You remember, uh, Nick, the old British Mark MG, yep. which used to be a thing, you know, back when we were uh, little uh, young lads back yep. in the day? Um, they're owned by a Chinese company now, and they're selling an attractive crossover in Europe that is uh, solidly in the top 10 best sellers in most countries for many months in the European car market. Wow. We never see that in the United States, but that car alone is taking a hefty market share away from Tesla. And you can go down the list. Peugeot, Citroën, Renault, Fiat, all of the Opel, you know, all of these brands that are very, very attractive models sold over there that are not sold over here. For in Europe, for example, Mazda is selling a pure electric car. It's not sold in the United States at all, but it is sold over there. Mercedes, same thing. Uh, very attractive crossover, similar to a Jaguar I-Pace or a Audi e-tron. Very good seller in Europe, is not sold yet in the United States. Now, in October, you're saying that they went down to 1% in, uh, in Europe. You know, that's... Europe, yeah. If you, you know, that's, that's all worldwide. Their market share went from 21% to 16% of pure battery electric vehicles. But in Europe, they actually fell all the way down to 1%. I mean, that is an extremely low market share. That's among pure electric cars. Mind you, that's not among the car market as a whole or as a percentage of hybrids or plug-in hybrids. No, no, no. This is of pure electric cars. So ultimately, that's just one month. But if that sort of stays at 1%, they may not be able to sustain themselves. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. So uh, that market share clearly will be higher here in December. Tesla sells a majority of its cars during any given quarter in the last month of the quarter. Uh, October is normally a very quiet month for them, as is July, but not so quiet so as to be just 1% market share. I mean, sometimes their market share would dip below 10% in the first month of the quarter for battery electric vehicles. So, you know, reaching into the single digits was not totally unusual, but 1%, that is absolutely crazy low market share for Tesla at this point. And we could talk about this in reflects to things like web companies. I mean, when web companies started up, or social media companies started up, you know, there were people who were kings in that department that you never hear of now. They've gone away. Some of those kind of Yahoo chat and all those sort of things. They've gone away now and been taken over by companies like Facebook. And ultimately, Tesla was the one of the first companies to do this. And ultimately, they may not exist in time because other companies come and do what they do, but do it better and more efficiently and uh, and more solidly and more reliably. So who is starting to shine in Europe? 
Well, so the the truth of the matter is basically what I was saying already almost about a half a decade ago is that the market is going to reflect approximately just the existing market shares for the regular internal combustion engine market. So all automakers will make a gradual shift in the direction to electric vehicles based uh, in a combination of consumer demand and of political mandates. So as they do that, I think you're going to see a fairly smooth curve reflecting those realities where all automakers simply make that move and the market shares in the end will not look all that different. I mean, clearly somebody will gain something and somebody will lose something. And the new players that come in from left field, such as Tesla, will gain something in terms of market share from the existing players. But by and large, the market in the battery electric vehicle world will look closer to looking the same as the market that we left a handful of years ago. All right, let's talk about what's going to emerge, in, you know, as far as electric vehicles in, in, in the United States. So uh, Ford, the marquee, is coming out now. Uh, uh, you know, that's an emerging vehicle. Uh, we're going to see other vehicles emerge. And the marquee is coming to market right now. They have been produced for the last few weeks. In terms of plug-in cars reaching the market within the next few weeks, that's the first. Uh, and there's a bunch of them on the way, right? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the high-profile vehicles that are going to get lots of consumer and media attention that will be hitting the market in a matter of weeks, not months, at least in some place in the world. I think the top three right now that stand before us is the aforementioned Ford Mustang Mach-E, which will commence sales here in the U.S. in just uh, the next uh, week or two. And then after that, we have the Jeep Wrangler, uh, plug-in hybrid. That's not a pure electric vehicle, but it's a plug-in hybrid. And you talk about high profile, but I mean, uh, that one will stand out very well. And I think in a most positive sense, uh, when that comes out here at the end of December. And then in Europe, uh, deliveries of the Volkswagen ID4, which is sort of a Tesla Model Y competitor and a competitor to a lot of these other cars like the Volvo XC40 Recharge and so forth, kind of the center of market crossover compact uh, vehicles, will start sales in Europe, also here imminently, and then reach the United States here closer to March. So these are going to be very high-profile vehicles that will enter the market extremely soon here in a matter of weeks, depending on where you live. The Jeep uh, 4xE seems to be a little delayed. We're, we're, I think we were initially looking at the beginning of the year, but it may be uh, uh, now sort of March-ish or February-March, somewhere time around that. Uh, but that's just a plug-in hybrid, right? Correct. So it basically is, think of it as a giant Chevrolet Volt, Volt with a V as in Victor, uh, in a Jeep uh, Wrangler all-wheel drive. So... Uh, there's a lot of people who had wanted something like this. I mean, the Jeep Wrangler is unique enough as it is. And, of course, this will add, I forget exactly, about maybe 500 pounds or so to the weight of this vehicle. And uh, But it will add the ability to drive in the ballpark of 25 or so miles on, on electric power and to also save that electric power to do some rock falling where, uh, as you know, with an electric motor and uh, that power, uh, you know, it can certainly enhance certain types of off-road ability as well because of the uh, precision and the smoothness that it adds into the equation. 
All right, one last question for you, Anton. Uh, is anybody developing anything along the lines of the Mustang Marquee? Because I haven't seen Chevrolet really or, or FCA come up with a vehicle that is the same sort of size with the same capability. Uh, Chevrolet seem to be developing some smaller vehicles, but I haven't really seen anything uh, unless it's a luxury. But there's no family cars out there that I have seen unveiled that meet the Marquis 300-mile uh, SUV style, uh, performance style, uh, coming to market in the United States in the next year? Well, you could argue that uh, the slight performance enhancement uh, that Audi has announced for the Audi e-tron uh, sort of kind of gets there. You can sort of argue that the Jaguar I-Pace is extremely close to there. Uh, and uh, I think what you're seeing in terms of the first crossover vehicles that will come out from the Hyundai-Kia group will also be pointing a little bit in that direction. They will have lower power versions for slightly more budget, and they will have uh, souped-up versions with uh, more power and so forth for the performance end of the market, the, the Hyundai M-Line and so forth. So there will be many models in that corner of the world. And, of course, Tesla itself with the Model Y is already there. So, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think that will be a crowded field. And we're seeing from various angles um, um, some of these models coming around close to it. But there will be plenty more in the uh, next year or so. Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor, read his stuff at the street and seeking out. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri. Play our auto expert radio show and all the previous episodes of our podcast are available. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and this is our auto expert radio show, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. We are joined by Dave Sanford. He is from Northside Trucks. We want to talk about uh, trucks in a second or so. I have said that this is the best time of year ever to buy a brand new vehicle between now and the end of the year. Uh, we have seen such a turbulent time this year to uh, purchase vehicles. Uh, the incentives are going to be huge because vehicles are on sale uh, this year. Uh, they have, We are down, I think in, in the end of a year, we are projected to sell about 17 million vehicles across the United States. This year, it looks like we're going to sell about 5 million vehicles short uh, from those vehicles, which means that their car companies want to make up those sales. Now, even though companies were down for a while, factories were closed for a while, it still means that they want to catch up and they want to sell as many vehicles as they can to bridge those. You know how your boss is. He always wants to be able to show his boss that they did a really good job at the end of the year. Well, sales managers for car companies always want to show their bosses that they did a really good job at selling vehicles by the end of the year. Well, they want to present to them that they did a really good job. So they want to sell everything that's sitting on their lot towards the end of the year. So car companies want to do the same. They want to show all of their bosses that they managed to shift massive amounts of inventory. And sales to be honest with you, were great in October. November, they were horrible. And sales were down considerably in November. Everybody, the pent-up selling that uh, was caused by people not getting out during the pandemic, uh, really happened in October and then waned in November, probably because there was so much politics going on in November. So December, and I will say this again, I'm putting the flag in the sand. It will be the best month ever to purchase a vehicle. If you're planning on doing it and you're looking for a big incentive or a big discount, you want to get your act together and buy one of the best vehicles out there. There will be huge amounts of money on hoods 
to buy vehicles between now and the end of the year. So you probably want to go buy those. And they vary. There are a lot of people talking about a lot of vehicles that will be on sale. You, you know, people always encouraged to buy 2020s at the end of the year. Yes, they will be on sale. I'm not always a big fan of buying 2020s at the end of the year because when you come to resell it, you didn't own it for the whole of 2020 and you come to resell it. It's already a year old when you come to resell it and you only get what the 2020 is worth. By the way, it's just about the cost of ownership. It's about the cost of resale. It's not just about the cost you pay for it. Think about what it's going to cost you, what your insurance is going to change to when you buy a brand new vehicle. Think about how much you pay for it, which is always a big thing. Think about the safety in there. Think about what you can get for your, for your used vehicle, which is really high right now because vehicles are at a shortage. But... If you want to buy a new vehicle, you should go look at the incentives between now and the end of the year. If you're talking about a sedan, they will never be better. There are still money on the hoods of trucks. There's still money on the hoods of all these different vehicles. Some of these vehicles, you can get still incentives. Now, the federal tax credit, which is on the incentive of hybrids, plug-in hybrids, things, things like the Chrysler Pacifica all-wheel drive, the 2020s still have $7,500 incentive on the hood of vehicles so you can still go out and get that even on something like the marquee from ford you can go in there that vehicle's priced at forty three thousand dollars starting price you can still put seventy five hundred dollars federal tax credit on the hood of that marquee from ford which is an all-electric vehicle that brings it down to thirty six thousand dollars thirty six thousand dollars means that you're getting that vehicle for seventy five hundred dollars less that is the starting price for an all-electric vehicle that can do up to 300 miles on a total charge and that means that you can purchase that vehicle for a huge discount plus there's going to be other incentives on the hoods of these vehicles go out and buy one you could probably find some incredible deals at the beginning of the year deals especially on sedans plug-in vehicles like the 2020 chevy bolt vehicles like the toyota avalon they're going to give you huge amounts of money on that the msrp on the toyota avalon is thirty six thousand eight hundred and seventy dollars uh, you can get five thousand dollars cash back on that vehicle the volkswagen jetta for 2020 although it starts at under twenty thousand dollars at nineteen thousand eight hundred and fifteen dollars they are going to give you nine uh, zero dollars down on that vehicle and 229 dollars a month on a lease for 30 39 months that is a really good deal right now. And Anton Warman always says the Jetta is the best deal on any car in America. You want to buy an Elantra, the last generation, the 2020. That is on sale. This vehicle starts at $19,300. You can get a great deal by putting $2,499 uh, $2, down on that and pay just $129 a month. Andy, this is the same car that you own, the Hyundai Elantra. You could get a brand new one for $19,000, or you could put $2,499 down and pay $129 a month for a 36-month lease. What? How do I do that? Uh, you just go to your Hyundai dealer. That's not what I pay. I need. I need. I, I wish they would like like sandwich in an insur insurance deal too. No, you can do that. Volvo do that. Well, I need mm -hmm. to get a Volvo. I'm paying uh, because I've only been driving for two years. I pay like a house mortgage for insurance. Oh. It's a lot. I don't like it. Doesn't Lincoln do that too? I thought. Uh, some people do, yeah. where you can do it all sandwiched together. Let's talk about GMC Terrain, one of my favorite vehicles. GMC Terrain, $29,595 starting price. You can put $247 down, just $247 down, and pay $247 a month for 36 months. $247 a month for a lease. 
that is a really good deal. There are lots and lots of really good leases out there. You want to talk about leases? They have things at least like a Kia Seltos. Just put $2,699 down. You only pay $189 a month for 36 months. That's the lease that Kia are offering. There are leases, leases, leases on all of these cars. You can do great leases on these vehicles. A lot of car companies offering huge amounts of leases or 0% financing. Nissan offering 0% financing on the Ultima. Did you see the Leaf? The Nissan Leaf? Mm -hmm, the 2020 You Nissan. tell me. You tell me. Go, Jen. Go. Okay. $6,000 cash. Yeah. 0% down or, um, sorry, 0% financing or $199 a month for 36 months and 199 due at signing. And that ends uh, January 4th. Yeah. Most of the deals will end January 4th, but if you want to get the tax credits on these, you would need to buy them in 2020. You can buy a new vehicle. If it's over 6,000 pounds, check with your CPA, but you, if it's over 6,000 pounds and it qualifies for the agri agricultural tax credit, you can uh, use that against your, ta your company tax if you own the company. There are huge amounts uh, of discounts on the hoods of trucks. You will run into problems buying the truck, exactly the truck you want, because inventory is so low, mm. and it is the premium time for used vehicles. In fact, my friend could buy a brand new Toyota 4Runner less than he could buy a used one because they are so sought after. Right. So you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to do some jiggling. You're going to have to do some searching to find the vehicle that you want, but it will be the best time of the year. If you want to see some of the cars that you should be buying, there is a secret website I can send you to with all the information where you can review these vehicles, you can see all the news articles, you can find video, you can find articles, and you can find a radio show that is highly informative Wait. and can tell you everything. It's OurAutoExpert.com. The website is OurAutoExpert.com. There are videos there. There is a podcast there. There is articles there. It is up 24-7. All you have to do is go there. You can download this very radio show. I've given it to you on a plate. It's now up to you to act. Go forth and drive. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. 